Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Franchise pros, stand the man, Paul Segretto. Time to show you the way of franchising today. Hey, do you possess the spirit of an entrepreneur? Wanna lay your business plan down like a rug or a floor? Or maybe you have a dream of opening a chain of delis? Or whatever the passion lights that pilot light under your belly? Or do you want to start a business, fam, using the proven trademark from another brand? Huh. And grow together and expand like a rage of fire. From a single to a multi-unit empire. Well, pay attention to this podcast that you hear. It's streaming in HD. So fine tune both of your ears. And standing Paul lays down the law. Whether you want to be a franchisee or a franchisor. It's all about sustainable growth. The sensible franchising. Proving concepts to start enterprises. So use your left and right side of your brain. And absorb this knowledge here of franchising today. Franchising today, sustainable growth, sustainable franchising. Franchise today, sustainable growth, sustainable franchising. Franchise today. Franchise today. Franchising today. Hello, everyone in the franchise world. My name is Paul Segreto, and this is Franchise Today. Yes, it is all about sensible, sustainable franchising. And I have as my co-host, the ever-loving, the infamous, sustainable man himself, Stan Friedman. (laughs) Stan, how are you today? A whole bunch of new monikers for me today. Wow. Thank you, Paul. I'm going to add those to to the ones we can't say on the air, right? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Well, how are you doing? Absolutely. Congratulations. Good. Congratulations, by the way, Paul. Well, we're two and a half minutes into the podcast. Haven't had a technical glitch yet. Kudos. <laughs> you know, actually, the jingle stuttered. I don't know if you caught that at the beginning. I did catch that, it, but it that was okay. There. And I thought, oh, no, oh, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Anyway, you know, it is, uh, it is October, Stan. We are right at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And we don't have a Peyton Manning or an L.A. or anybody else leading us down the charge. But fortunately, I think we're ahead of the game right now, entering uh, you know, our, our ninth year. I mean, not having technical problems, I think we've, we've got past that. We've got some great guests. We've had a lot of good input from people. And uh, hopefully uh, the fourth quarter will find us out on top. Let the fourth quarter of business serve us better than, say, the fourth quarter of any given Falcons game. <laughs> well, we will, we will, we won't go there. <laughs> and what's Too going late. On in front of the house today? Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's a it's a big restaurant week, Paul. A lot of news in the restaurant world. A lot of a um, lot of moving and shaking. I'll I'll share with you a couple or three things that uh, caught my eye in the last day day or two. Um, a new chief operating officer named for Fuzzy's Taco Shops. My good friend Mel Knight, uh, president and CEO of Fuzzy's, has named Dave, David Catalano as his new chief operating officer. Most recently, Catalano was COO at Logan's Roadhouse and has held similar leadership positions and senior roles at Hard Rock Cafe and TGI Fridays, along with being the first franchisee 
of Twin Peaks. So he's got some experience from both sides of the aisle, and I congratulate Mel and wish all the best to David Catalano, who is joining one fantastic company and a great leadership team. Also big news, KFC names Yum Brands veteran Tony Lowings as its new CEO, and he will replace Roger Eaton, who's retiring at the end of the year. Um, Lowings is no stranger to the Yum brand or KFC world. He's a 24-year veteran of Yum and has had a tremendous amount of experience in international growth. Um, you know, so he's, he's not new to the company, but he's certainly going to be new to the C-suite, and we wish him all the best. Big news, too, in the C-suite at TGI Fridays, as um, industry veteran Ray Blanchett, who only nine or so months ago uh, became the CEO at Ruby Tuesdays, is succeeding Aslam Khan in that role at the Fast Casual uh, chain, and it was announced on Tuesday. Um, Blanchett is a longtime Friday's man. He's coming back home to what he calls his dream job, and he has um, he's moved around quite a bit in the last few years, Paul, but I think this one is uh, the pinnacle of his career, and we certainly wish him all the good luck in the world. Aslam Khan moves up to become vice chair at Friday's, and um, we'll see we'll see if the dust settles after all these high-level moves this past week. Paul, anything that you've heard that I've missed that you might want to add to the mix? Yeah, actually, uh, restaurant uh, Rave Restaurant Group, the parent company of Pizza Inn and Pie 5 Pizza, um, on September 18th named Bob Bufundo the company's president. Uh, Bufundo joined Dallas-based Rave in 2016 as president of Pizza Inn, and now we'll see all of Rave's brands. He led the company to six straight quarterly same-store sale increases and helped create a non-traditional brand called Pie. So this should be interesting that he is now going to uh, oversee uh, the brand that basically was his, his brainchild. So um, I, I, I look forward to, to good things with that. I know I've seen a, a few of the Pie Fives, you know, close around here, and, of course, uh, I always cringe and always swallow hard when I hear about closed locations because it's usually a, a franchisee's hard-earned money uh, and sometimes lifelong investment in there. But uh, hopefully Bufunda will be at the uh, at the helm and aggressively move forward just like he has uh, with Pizza Inn. So congratulations, and I look forward to uh, to great things from him, Stan. Good stuff, Paul. And before you bring on today's guest, I just want to pick up on what has become a tradition now each week as we wish some happy birthday greetings to those in the franchise world. And this week, the list again is uh, no shortage of people to to send many happy returns to. It started on Monday with uh, Eric Premont, Director of Franchise Sales for Boston's Restaurant and Sports Bars. Happy birthday to you. On Tuesday, my good friend Bob Ritter, Executive Vice President of operations for Frisch's Restaurants. Um, joined that day, too, by Sean Beck, Sean Bach at Dry Bar, VP of Development, an old friend of mine from up in Canada at WSI, uh, Zdenko Zuzik, celebrated his birthday on Tuesday. Today, I wish many happy returns to my 28-year-old son, Michael Friedman. Has nothing at all to do with franchising, but the microphone is mine, and I can say it because I, I want to. <laughs> And also sharing my son's birthday today is Steve Rosen, former CEO and the current board member from FranNet. And tomorrow, 
No, Friday, we send happy returns, many happy returns to both Ron Bender at Big Frog and Keith Gerson at Frankenet. The week rounds out on Saturday with Eric Stites at Franchise Business Review, Bob Lancet, VP at MFV Expos, our longtime friend Tim Ivankovich from Cleaning Authority Days, currently CEO of Oasis Senior Advisors. Happy birthday, one and all. And Paul, before you bring on our guest, I do think it would be we'd be remiss if we didn't thank Jennifer Yangu for joining us last week. Um, I had a really good time having uh, Jennifer as our guest and, and interview E and uh, learned a lot more than I, I thought I knew a lot about any time in Waxing the City and Self-Esteem Brands. I just learned a whole lot more and had a really good time doing it. So thank you again, JY. We enjoyed having you with us here on Franchise Today. Yeah, it was a great show. And, you know, as this uh, these birthday wishes are becoming more, more and more popular, we're getting some comments from people thanking us. I uh, think it's a great addition to the show. We probably need to uh, have Mr. Badlands Booker, the uh, composer and performer <laughs> of our opening and closing jingle, maybe come up with some type of a little bigger birthday, birthday, birthday ditty. Yeah, we can talk to the man. Yeah, about a little that. birthday ditty. As long as he doesn't stutter on anyway, it, right? Stan, <laughs> yep, absolutely. Anyway, Stan, you know we we always talk about, and of course, um, Badlands Booker does a great job of talking about sensible and sustainable franchising and of course we we like to talk about that as much as we possibly can and i read a quote today from today's guest that said i'm proud of how we built our business first establishing a successful company-owned operation in the denver market and then expanding into franchising off that strong bottle and foundation which of course we know are definitely the basics and the basis of sustainable and sensible franchising. And with that, I'd like to introduce our guest, Mike, Mike Mastaus, the founder and president of Delta Disaster Services. Welcome to Franchise Today, Mike. Thanks, guys. I appreciate the opportunity. Pleasure well, having we you appreciate, here. Um, yeah, we appreciate you being on the show today. Uh, and as we do with, with all our shows and with all our guests, and it's really become um, second nature for us to do this because it's really the most unique part of the show is looking back because we never wake up one day and say, I think I'll get into franchising today. As Stan says, it usually finds us at some type of juncture uh, in business. So if you would, Mike, take us back as far as you would like, um, starting out the business, maybe before that, but take us to the point where franchising found you, and we'll uh, we'll continue from there. Sure. No, I appreciate it. So there's a, a real irony to how my company was acquired. So about 28 years ago, I worked for the founder of ChemDry, Robert Harris, in sales and marketing uh, back in the late 80s. Very entrepreneurial company. Um, I think I got there on my 25th birthday. And Robert gave me many opportunities in sales, domestically, internationally, retail products, very creative. And I saw the franchise model for the first time at that time. Um, kind of fast forward, I was acquired by ChemDry and Harris Research 30 years later. I'm back on their payroll. But the journey from there to from, from where I was to, to being acquired, um, I saw a lot of the ChemDry franchisees at that time, carpet cleaners, were starting to segue into property restoration. And I saw that as, as a viable market that was opening up. 
and I opened up a firm in Southern California and built it into a six-location corporate-owned entity and sold it to a business partner. Um, good experience. I was probably in the franchise space before there was, uh, excuse me, in the restoration space before restoration really was, was known by the referral sources. We were offering full-service property restoration, and it was kind of like a, you're doing what? Well, today everybody knows what that is. Um, I went from that uh, corporate uh, entity that I built to a national franchise company, Restoration, that was trying to build a footprint similar to what I ended up doing here in Denver, and I, I helped that scale for about five years. And then I went to what I call the dark side. I went to the adjusting side of the business for five years and did everything, did adjuster training, uh, handled a lot of problem clients, uh, did everything from the Katrinas to the Charlies to the big events, uh, expert testimony, set up vendor programs. So I really got to see the other side of the industry by, uh, by being on the claims end of it. And I uh, saw a big opening as I've, I've seen my whole career for what we call full service property restoration, meaning that uh, there's a lot of competitors, the vast majority that just do the emergency work, high margins, easy to get it. Most of it's water related, but there's very few business models, uh, almost none that are available that offer the reconstruction portion of it. Um, so I looked at the demographics nationally and felt that Colorado, Denver, great city, um, and probably the highest bar of competition and competency in the restoration industry. There are about 200 restoration, excuse me, 200 restoration firms in, in the market area, the Front Range area. And I came and, and did a scratch startup. I didn't have any contacts, didn't know the market at all, just knew it was highly competitive. And I figured, I don't know if I do this again, but I figured if I could build a business model here to franchise, it would validate everything that I, I thought I knew. And then I could then parlay that into a franchise opportunity. So um, started one guy, one room, um, had a lot of clarity on what I wanted, uh, and built a very successful business model. My goal was to get it to uh, $5 million in five years. We got a lot of accolades. We got governor's awards. We were an Inc. 500 company our third year. So it, 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 it did what I wanted it to do. And then at about the six-year mark, we started. I started uh, with a small team to start the franchise uh, company and um, built that out to, you know, X number of units to a point where um, my unit economics were great, uh, exceeded anything I thought they would. My average franchise in 2016 was doing $2.8 million. Uh, I had a real high IT IQ mentality. So our business model follows what we call the claim cycle. If we're pairing with insurance companies and we're ending up with adjusters, we need to understand what, what their desk looks like, what their timeframes are. So we're very insurance friendly and carriers want to utilize those types of relationships. So uh, we built that platform as well. And then you know, to that point, um, I was contacted by a lot of private equity firms and none of them really understood my space until uh, Dan Tarrington from HRI, the CEO, called and said, let's have a conversation. And I, it, the stars were aligned. I, I couldn't have asked for a better opportunity to pair with a firm that, first of all, I knew ChemDry as a brand, which is, is, is their big um, part of their portfolio company, and then the Enhance brand, which, which Dan scaled and his team scaled to about 500 units. So they had a kind of a mature brand, a brand that they scaled, and then the, the, the young one, which was the Delta opportunity. Um, so again, everything came together for me kind of succinctly to get me to that acquisition point. And uh, it's, uh, it's been a great, uh, say about six or seven months of transition and growth. We've done very well together, which is always 
you know, I'm going to be a little bit suspect about that, how that's going to work out. But um, um, I could have asked for, for better people to work with and uh, a better working relationship. I have to get this out of the way early on because it's just part of my irreverent nature to, you know, to, to put one out there. So I can't help but associate Delta and disaster with, you know, late flights and uh, middle <laughs> seats. And, and, and in, in that case, those unit economics really stink. So I'm happy that yours are as good as they are. Um, I'm curious, and you brought up the insurance part of of the business, and that's my bad bad joke for the week. I'm not going to go any further than that. Um, I'm interested in understanding how you get these relationships working with with the insurance companies when there are so many. Um, I, I think of the, your business kind of like I think some of us, most of us, think about uh, senior care or services for seniors like there's just such a barrage of people out there there are so many Mm -hmm. but but the reality is there really aren't that many in comparison to the numbers of people aging out every every week that need those services so i'm assuming that while we think of katrinas and hurricanes and disasters or florida and the carolinas as prime places for businesses like yours um people have damage in their home from flooding or burst pipes or whatever all all year long don't they how they big really, is the market? They what really is the market do. cap? So it's a $60 billion market plus, plus, plus. So the market is in, insanely uh, fluid, and the, the, the margins are there on the, on the back end. The volume is there. Is how do you capture that work? Um, you know, to your point, there's a lot of players in this space. Um, you know, we're not inventing this space. This space is saturated. I'll use my local market here in Denver. And in 10 years, we've added, we've gone from 220 firms competing against our operating company to almost 300. Um, the barrier to entry is, is very low. It's very easy to get into this industry. Uh, it's very difficult to sustain in this industry. And the hardest referral to get in this industry is an insurance referral. And insurance companies, are very savvy. Um, many of them have set up what we call TPAs or third-party administrators, where a carrier will come in and say, hey, I'm, I'm USAA insurance company. I want your five best contractors in the Denver market. And that third-party administrator will go out and vet the five best. And they'll look at a lot of things. They'll look at education. They'll look at competency. They'll look at IT standards, communication standards. There's a lot of metrics that we get judged by. And, and fortunately, or the reality is, is that Delta understands those metrics as good, and I'll be careful to say this, or maybe even better sometimes than the carriers do. So we do a lot of training on the adjuster relationships, the insurance policy, um, the metrics that an adjuster has to go through to settle a claim. So we get to the door with a lot of our competitors, and when we perform at that level, when our franchises um, see those value adds and they're trained properly and supported properly, the carriers in most cases with our franchises inundate us with work uh, because they see the value in that relationship. And that's not very common in our industry. And, and to your other point, common occurrence is what we look at. So we're not chasing the hurricanes. We're not chasing the disasters. Actually, those could be market disruptors for many restoration firms. So a big event happens three states away and you send crews there. Well, what happens to your local market? What happens to the jobs that you have in process? What happens to your cash flow? And I was a general adjuster, large loss adjuster on many major events. And I saw many restoration firms that saw that as an opportunity that actually ended up going out of business because they didn't understand what they could do and how to manage their work when they're working remotely. Now, that's not to say that there aren't some big players that can do that. 
um, as Delta grows and as we continue to scale, we'll build those national alliances and we'll offer them help in those market areas by having franchises contribute a small portion of maybe manpower or support. So, but for a local restoration firm, it's not always advantageous just to drop and go to a major event. Again, the, 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 the casualties often end up at the restoration level. So how do these adjusters make their decisions? Are these decisions that are made at local or regional or national levels? If an insurance claim gets filed by somebody in Denver who had a water damage in their home and they call their insurance company, how does the insurance company vet who they're going to call in that local market? How far up the food chain does that decision get made? And what happens if uh, you establish a relationship with an insurance company and then they're looking for help in a market that you've not, you don't have franchise representation in, does that come against you as a, as a hit or how does that look? Good, good, good question. And, and, and our world continues to evolve. So um, back in the day, um, whatever time frame that was, it was very easy for a carrier to flip a switch and use one of the two or three national players um, through technology, through proper vetting processes, through what I call third-party administrators, carriers are more savvy to what's available in a local market. So they're not just going to flip a switch to that big national brand in Denver. The carriers are going to come in and they're going to vet maybe the top 10 or 15 restoration firms, whether they're independent or whether they're franchise-based. So, so that market has changed. Now, regionally, nationally, you still build relationships. You know, when we open up a Delta in college station like we just did, uh, we've got contacts regionally, we've got ta- contacts nationally, and they're like, it's great. It's a delta. We expect them to perform consistently like the other deltas do. We'll, we'll open the door for them. And if they perform, the door will continue to open for them. But So insurance relationships are important, and the vast majority of our work ends at an adjuster's desk, so we need to understand that desk. But there's many channels to how we get work, so it's not just contacting insurance companies. If you think of all the different types of of responses that customers will have when they get home at 5 o'clock and there's water coming out their front door, Maybe they're going to go onto their smartphone and, and go into Google and, and, and type in, I've got a flooded basement. What do I do? So AdWords, analytics, optimization is important. We're seeing that change with millennials becoming stronger home buyers or capturing more market share. So that's an emerging uh, channel for us. But we also have, we have plumbers. We have fire districts. We have municipalities, suppression companies, contractors. There's a lot of different market areas or channels, I should say, that we market to with our franchises to drive business. But at the end of the day, we know it's going to end up at a carrier's desk. We're looking for covered losses. That's what our system is based off of. Um, so we want to make sure that, that that relationship is is solid and we understand how to produce a proper estimate, use the proper verbiage, understand all the carrier's guidelines and policies. So when they look at an estimate that a delta turns in, and we review every estimate that comes out of their door for the first 90 days minimum, they look at it and they go, well, that's the way I'm going to write it. I'm a state farm adjuster. They understand my practices, the things I can cover and I can't cover. It's approved. So that's kind of the long and short to, to the question that you asked. So it's it's interesting. It seems like um, that a, a franchisee would have both clients and customers, so to speak, uh, because you have the the business side of it, and then of course you have the the customer who's ultimately affected by the uh, the damage that has occurred. Um, I noticed, um, and as you said earlier, um, reconstruction, and we hear a lot about you know remediation companies, restoration companies. And uh, often 
you know, see and, and of course, living here in Houston, it seems like, you know, the hurricane yeah. or at least tropical storm magnet uh, that we are. We we see a lot of things on TV about restoration being done, and we see, you know, sheetrock cut out to, you know, just above the water level, and we see this, this emptiness there, and it's like all of a sudden <laughs> – the, the foundation is clear. The walls are empty. The sheetrock's cut up to this point, and like nothing happening. Uh, so it seems like the reconstruction, uh, I would think, would be a, a, another direction, um, a great direction for the company, and especially as I think back to, you know, incidents with uh, Hurricane Andrew and in Florida and some of the other ones where there was just a slew of contractors from all over the country that were were going down there, and of course. Along with that, a lot of horror stories of money laid out sure. and work not getting done. So I imagine that puts you in a uh, in a nice position uh, with the insurance companies, with customers and clients alike. Would you care to elaborate a little bit on this? Because I see it as two different sure. opportunities for franchisees. So very good point. There's there's a couple. Uh, Tales to to that statement. So we go to national conventions, as our company does, and we hear that the heads of claims from the carriers talk to restoration contractors, and their message is pretty consistent. Their message is, we are looking for full-service property restoration firms. So if you think about it, if I come into your home and 80% of our work is water-related, and I, I do what you use as an example, I flood-cut your home, take out your baseboard, maybe some trim, a door, some flooring, and I leave, you're left with what? You're left with a demoed home that maybe it's a kitchen or a bathroom you can't use, and now you've got to go out and find a contractor. You've got to re-engage with your carrier. You've got to build those relationships again. So um, with the Delta model, the Delta brand, we knock out about 80% of our competition. About 80% of our competition is emergency services only. Um, it takes a different commitment and a different competency to want to be full service. And we've got a kind of a cool model that we have together. We have two different entry points for a franchisee. We have, we call it a 100 level, which is you can come in as emergency services only, pure entrepreneur, and over 36 months, you'll have to back in with our training and re-education and support into reconstruction. Maybe bring in a key partner, maybe bring in somebody that's got construction knowledge. Most of what we do in the restoration is kind of what you alluded to. It's cosmetic. So we can, we can teach you how to vet proper subs, how to manage those jobs. So that is one entry point that we have for entrepreneurs. And the other entry point is a franchisee can come in as full service. So they can literally come in at day one, which was how our model was started, and be full service, offer property restoration, <clears throat> also content or personal property restoration, which is also that middle part. If you have a fire or a flood, your personal property needs to be restored, right? And then we would come in and we would do the reconstruction. So we want to be that one loss, one call, one company, which is, is unique and it knocks out a lot of our competition. But we also have to be very centric to our training, to our support, um, to how we onboard a franchise. So um, those are all things that, that we've done with our current business model that we're now uh, continuing to do with our relationship with, with HRI and how we're bringing people in. We'll come back after our half break talking much, much more about your franchise and its multiple opportunities. You're listening to Franchise Today now in its ninth season. I'm Stan Friedman, along with co-host Paul Segreto, talking today with Mike Mastis, founder and president of Delta Disaster Services. Franchise Today is brought to you by the Franchise Foundry, where Paul and his team have been bringing emerging brands to market for more than 30 years. 
The franchise foundry fosters healthy, sustainable growth for their clients, the kind that comes from experience. The franchise foundry provides both coaching and consulting, a hybrid approach that delivers much more effective solutions for both the franchisor's corporate team as well as for their franchisees. The Foundry team is rich in practical hands-on experience and expertise with general business management, operational and change management, digital marketing, and of course, franchise recruitment and development. Plus, the Franchise Foundry team can also assist you with creating roadmaps for potential mergers and acquisitions and helping provide the guidance needed to navigate them. Learn more about all of this in Paul Segreto's Franchise Foundry, along with their expanding list of clients at www.FranchiseFoundry.com. Franchise Today is also brought to you by FRM Solutions, offering best-in-class CRM and document management software designed specifically for franchising. FRM empowers real-time business intelligence, communication, and collaboration between all members of the franchisor's team and prospective as well as existing franchisees. This enables you to simply and seamlessly track, access, and manage all messages to and from prospective and existing franchisees, including text. Legal and compliance is simplified as well with FRM's document management and even site visits can be digitally facilitated and scored with FRM. Make today the day you give FRM a look and assure that all of your candidate and franchisee correspondence, including text messages, are being permanently tracked and stored in candidate and franchisee records. FRM even provides state-of-the-art digital experiences for your prospective franchisees, replacing old-style virtual brochures. No long-term contracts, multiple upgrades each year at no additional cost. No excuses, just solutions on the web at frmsolutions.com. Mike, if you would, uh, as we shift here a, a bit on the franchise side, and God, I think we could probably talk for a couple of hours about it, considering the uh, the acquisition and the different brands that are now all in the mix. Tell us a bit about what a day in the life of a franchisee for a Delta Disaster Services franchise would look like. Well, that's a great uh, great question. Uh, it varies. So um, I use the analogy that we're the fire department and that when the call comes in, it's all hands on deck and we have to respond to whatever that situation is. So the franchisee is going to have, at a certain scale, they're going to have a small team of people that are going to handle emergency service work. They're going to have a middle section of admin support people, communications, scheduling, um, finance. Then they're going to have another uh, group of people that are going to handle reconstruction. So at that scale, there's a lot of moving parts. You've got your emergency service team that um, is is responding to jobs in real time, shifting jobs if they're on a job, going to have to go to another job and reschedule those jobs. So that 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 rescheduling uh, is real time for us. Um, we may have you know three four jobs going on that maybe they were water or smoke related that were now now that we just now that we've just responded we're going back out to do additional demolition we may have testing for environmental issues so after the emergency work that job will stay in emergency services for three or four days um, and then there's a handoff 
from the emergency services team to the reconstruction team, uh, depending on the severity of the damage, maybe the expectations of the customer, the referral source, the reconstruction person who's handling that portion of reconstruction may go out to the job with the first responders or go out there shortly after. And then on the reconstruction end, they're putting together a competent estimate. Um, we have a kind of a policy in our franchise system that we have guaranteed numbers before we begin the work. We don't like financial surprises, particularly when we're dealing with insurance companies and, and consumers. Um, so we make sure that we're in lockstep with the carrier on numbers before we begin the construction. So, again, a couple of different moving parts. Uh, during the day, and then you've got to be able to respond to the unexpected, which is you've got everything scheduled, your crews are out, and, uh, you know, two in the afternoon you get a uh, commercial flood or you get a fire, and now that schedule has to change and you have to move people around. So there's, there's fluidity to it. Uh, it makes for a good entrepreneurial experience. Uh, one of the reasons that I've been in this industry as long as I have is because it's different every day, and there's challenges every day. No project's the same, no referral source is the same, um, and, and the unexpected happens. You know, I love how you associate it with um, being like a firehouse, but, of course, when you said that, I immediately started thinking of Ghostbusters also being uh, housed in a firehouse. Anyway, uh, you know, under the direction <laughs> of HRI, if <laughs> – under the direction of HRI, uh, the parent company, Delta Disaster Services, is, is benefiting from that parent company's proven ability to scale concepts. Uh, and I think this is really neat. I'm reading this from a press release. In the near term, HRI and Delta Disaster Services are teaming up to build a new world-class floodhouse training facility in Denver near the brand's headquarters, allowing for a higher-grade hands-on education experience exclusively for its owners and their employees and expect that to be open in the spring of 2019. What a tremendous, tremendous addition because you think about these brands that have, you know, brought people on for restoration and other types of, of services and never really have that type of, of hands-on. Can you elaborate a little bit about it and the thought process that went into this? Well, I, I can I, I could run that the rest of this show and, and, and then some. So um, one of my cornerstones, our cornerstones, has always been education, right? What's going to make you different in any industry, particularly a low-bar industry like property restoration? So our franchisees, uh, per our, our industry certification boards per se, are in the top 1% of education when they come out of training. So that's a market differentiator for us immediately. Um, part of the discussion I had uh, pre-acquisition was that we wanted to have what we call a world-class training facility. And part of that training facility is a certified, it's called Advanced Structural Drying or a Flood House. So ironically, we just acquired our building uh, about 24 hours ago. So uh, we're celebrating here. Um, and then we're starting the process of, in a warehouse, building a 1,500-square-foot, two-code, two-story, 412-pitch home that we're going to flood with about 2,000 gallons of water and actually teach hands-on our franchisees and their employees at no cost how to properly restore a water-damaged building, a home, a residence. Um, excited about it, beyond excited about it. Again, it's a market differentiator for us to have that. We can also bring in key insurance personnel, whether it's senior adjusters, whoever may want to be part of that education to help educate our referral sources as well. And then we've gone another step on that. We've actually uh, footprinted a, a fire scenario, so separate building, 
within this warehouse um, that will actually smoke up and will train our franchisees on how to restore smoke-damaged um, structure environments. And we'll also have a content cleaning area adjacent to that as well. So we're handling fire, smoke, um, we're handling water, we're handling contents. And then we also have another section that we've designed just for a cutaway of a home so we can teach to the construction portion of that. So, um, again, education, competency is very, very important to us. And, uh, you know, we're, we're six months away from having that training facility done. So I, I'm very excited about, about that. You know, I'm reminded a little bit of the, um, the Dwyer Group's neighborly, Paul, where you have all these brands that are associated with one another in proximity, but not in overlap or not in uh, redundancy. So ChemDry, I mean, you already have carpet cleaning. What comes after water? <laughs> uh, right. all, of this, all of this makes so much sense to me. Let's talk about the franchise opportunities, because as I understand it, some of the other Harris Research um, families of brands are getting first dibs on some of these territories. Tell us a little bit about that. They're very exciting. So that was also a, a, a key point for me in the discussions with Dan initially. So property restoration started out with carpet cleaners. I mean, that's where our industry grew from. You know, many of the carpet cleaners were steam cleaners. Uh, they put down water, they had to extract it, they had to have air movers. So, you know, back in the day when we had yellow pages under the C for carpet cleaners is where all your restoration firms were located. Um, so kind of fast forward, a lot of the chem dries in the system, um, you know, close to a thousand actual owners, many of them are already in the property restoration space as kind of a side note. Um, you know, they're, they're getting those referrals, they're getting that work. So the ChemDry franchisees have been looking for a vehicle, and Dan Tarrington, uh, you know, was messaged that, and Dan was looking for quite a while for the right fit as well. So we have an onboarding exclusive for ChemDry franchises through the end of the year. Uh, we've already got, in the, in the short period of time that we've been licensed to sell, we already have uh, 14, excuse me, 17 licenses sold to ChemDry franchisees exclusively. Uh, we'll have 30 easily by the end of the year and probably another 60 next year. So we've got this great target-rich environment for us to scale with people that are professionals in the home service business. They're already running successful operations. They're already in the restoration space, and now they're part of the Delta family. So um, that is it's incredible for us to be able to scale within a uh, with a competent group of franchisees coming in, and then on the first of the year, uh, at the first year, we'll start to market in the open market to entrepreneurs. But again, we've got uh, chem drives lined up to to get into our system. So a great opportunity. For sure. And let's talk about the open marketplace and who it is that you would view as an appropriate member of the community to become a franchisee successfully inside of your business. Do they need to bring prior experience? Will this be um, will this be more of a conversion? kind of an opportunity or can somebody bring business skills from a completely different set of disciplines to this business and succeed? So we're open to conversions. Uh, I think we always have to be open to conversions. We've, we've seen that uh, successfully done in, in many brands. Uh, we need to make sure that they understand the, uh, the, the Delta system and what makes Delta unique and that they buy into um, what that conversion would entail. But certainly we've got a, a, a great market or business opportunity for people to scale based on how our systems are set up, based on how our contacts are set up. But to the latter part of your question, yeah, we're looking for entrepreneurs. Um, 
we have uh, kind of a vetting process that we put them through. We're looking for, you know, I'll say the common things, attitude and aptitude and entrepreneurialism. Um, this is a hands-on business. Um, so we'll let our prospects know what the requirements are, where that bar is set. Um, working with your hands or being able to manage people in the restoration space is important. So we've already shown that we have uh, some of our owners that have been successful in maybe scaling multiple brands, they understand how to operate a, a business, and, they, and we can plug them into a Delta. And then we have other people that have that aptitude, they have marketing skills, uh, they understand uh, or conceptually understand you know, how a building is put together, and we can scale them into a Delta as well. So I think we have a number of different avenues that we can go to in the open market. Uh, we have a pretty thorough um, I have a sales process where we discuss all aspects of the business. We have a very thorough discovery day. It's not just in the office to sign a contract. We actually put them in the operating company, show them what, as you mentioned earlier, what a day in the life is like. Uh, we take them out into the field. We show them jobs in process. So, um, you know, we want to have our prospects have that gotcha moment as well, not just us looking for people to put into the system. You know, certainly – the, the practical applications, you know, fall into play. There's a lot of commonality uh, across the different brands now that are all together under under one umbrella. But as Dan Tarrington, the president and CEO of HRI, is quoted as saying, the fit begins with alignment in our core values and the culture we foster in our organizations. We're both franchisee-focused companies that share very similar principles in how we nurture and grow franchise systems geared towards ensuring the success of our owners on a local level. So coming into this or returning to it um, with, with ChemDry, you know, can uh, elaborate a little bit, speak a little bit to it, because um, as we titled this show, The Right Fit Spurs Rapid right. Growth, it does go well beyond the practical side of things. So yeah, well there's a there's a lot to that question. So culture and fit are important. You can bring two star entities together and they can come together in the middle and clash, right? Not work together properly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was a very thorough vetting process, six months, uh, where Dan met all of my staff. I went to Nashville. I know the Logan people. Um, got to meet with them all one-on-one, got to meet with them in a work environment, a social environment. Um, I already knew the ChemDry brand, uh, the enhanced brand I got to talk to. I personally talked to their ownership and found out what leadership was like at the franchisor level, what support was like. Um, my team in Denver was also part of that. So um, I don't know how we did it, but we've got uh, a group of A-type personalities that don't want to be average supporting our franchisees that are on call around the clock, and they'll profess to that. Um, so our franchisee support, I think, is is, is equal to what uh, the expectations are from, from HRI and what they're providing to Enhance and to ChemDry. Um, you know, we're royalty-based. We're revenue-based. Um, so we need to be able to scale our franchisees. We need to be able to support them and be on call for them uh, or be on site when they have an issue. Uh, and we've we've proven that we're able to do that. And I think HRI is it's it's the same core philosophies. It's the same business philosophies. They're these are the same people that uh, when I met you know six months ago, kind of getting to know them are the same people that I know today, which to me is important. 
value systems are important to people. And you deal in a very high ethical environment when you deal with insurance companies. You deal with consumers' money. Um, and I feel that's consistent across the board. Kind of that do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. That's part, part of one of our mission statements, actually. So, um, yeah, values, there's a lot to that question. But to me, values are very important. Appreciate that answer. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a franchise candidate. Uh, I signed my franchise agreement. I'm ready to start my business. What does the start of my business look like from a physical standpoint? You know, do, do I need a, an office? Do I need trucks? How much equipment do I need? And the reason I, I emphasize this is because seeing a lot of times, you know, a, a catastrophe, a house that, you know, partially burned, sure. fire department has come in, and, of course, the place is all, you know, wet. And But the next thing I know, I see, you know, 10 trucks of the same brand sitting outside ready to go to work. So as an individual franchisee coming in, how does my business look from that physical equipment standpoint? Sure. So, so right, there is a scaling process, and I'll even back up a little further if you're all right with that. Um, there's about an eight-week onboarding process once you sign your contracts, and there's education that you'll have to have. I kind of alluded to that before. So there's industry certification classes that you have to have. We do things like put business plans jointly together with our franchisees, marketing plans, identifying your market area, uh, making sure that your software, your infrastructure is set up properly. So when you come to training, you're ready to leave training to be successful. So training is five to seven days initially. There's some other trainings that we do as you scale. We, we bring you back in at a certain dollar amount for retraining and then again at another dollar amount for retraining as we see your business model. From our experience grows, we see things that you need to work on. Um, Many of our, our firms start out with a equipment package, um, you know, X amount of equipment, a vehicle that's logoed and branded. Uh, we set a website up for franchises. We're, we're in their office uh, for what we either call a launch or a grand opening, which usually is right after training. Um, and then it's, it's, it's aggressive marketing, and it's us helping them market to carriers jointly. Uh, but it's 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 being able to show up at a job site with competency and equipment to handle that job. If that job is larger than what you have, we've got vendors and service partners that can add personnel and can add equipment to that job site. We can help support that out of corporate. It's not uncommon for us to catch a flight out in real time to support a franchise that you know has had their first event or big event. Um, so we're there to assist them as well. So. Um, we have the ability to scale at a local level through a lot of the service partners that we have, I think, is, is, is more to your, your question and the answer. Can you tell us a little bit about the size of a territory and are your franchises, like you've got some franchisees that are stepping up from the other sides of HRI, but, um, you know, how many territories or how many franchisees would you find in a city like Atlanta? Would somebody here own the marketplace or would they have a county or a portion of a county? How does that look? Good, good question. So we have non-exclusive but protected market areas. Our market areas are defined by zip code. Uh, our typical market area is about 350 to 400,000 in population. Uh, we will scale somebody to 500,000 per license agreement. So about that 500,000 per license agreement. Um, your, your area is protected, which means no one can come into your territory directly to market nor can you. However, you can be referred out of your area. So 
an example might be you're doing work for a property management company um, in northern Atlanta, up in the Lenox area, and uh, that property management company likes you and says, hey, can you go to this area and handle this property? Well, that may be outside your area, but due to your reputation in your area, you can be referred out of your area. Um, hence, that wouldn't be a, a relationship that another chem or another Delta, excuse me, would pick up in that area. So, um, again, non-exclusive protected areas uh, work well with the Delta model. And then there's collaboration. So, you know, Delta's doing business with Deltas may go to a trade show that covers three or four markets or a golf tournament, things of that nature, or make a key call with corporate to a large property management company that oversees, you know, a dozen Delta market areas. So there's there's a couple different levels of marketing support that we give our franchisees to, depending on who they're calling on or what type of book of business they're going after. And speaking of trade shows, are you in, involved in any upcoming where people may find you at an expo or someplace where they can learn about the opportunity either through a trade show itself or through a franchise expo? So, so we will be doing that next year. Um, kind of to the question earlier, uh, right now we're we're somewhat exclusive to the ChemDry family, as long as there's a ChemDry in that area that's raising their hand that's interested. So next year, um, starting second quarter, uh, we'll start to participate in the East, the West Coast uh, Expos, franchise expos, and uh, be recognized on traditional portals, things of that nature. Um, so, so yes, we'll scale into those areas, but not immediately, because we have uh, a pretty full plate right now of ChemDries, but, but definitely... Um, as we move into 2019, we'll be present in those areas. My last question is this, is one just like we open with a standard question every week. I like to try to wrap toward the end of the program asking you to, to leave time for the audience to get your URL or phone number or contact info. But before you provide that, are there any questions that Paul and I missed that you wish we would have asked you? <laughs> Um, you know, I think at a high level, it, it's always what differentiates one brand in the marketplace from another brand. So, you know, there's there's a number of uh, opportunities in the restoration industry that um, you look at on paper, and they may all look the same. And, 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 and I think there's things that make Delta uh, pretty unique in its area. Um, I think our support stands alone. I think our franchisees will validate that, that they can call anybody in the company, including me at two in the morning on an event, and we're going to competently help them out or help them get on or get on site to help them. I don't think that service is, is uh, acknowledged enough within our, within our particular brand. Um, our IT IQ, um, we've taken um, an industry that's primarily paper-based and still is paper-based, and we can scale a franchisee to a completely paperless uh, technology platform that parallels what the carrier is looking for. Again, that, that speaks volumes to organization and structure and being able to scale. Um, so I think those two items, um, the training and the, uh, the technology are differentiators for us. And, that's, and the support. And the support. So I guess there would be a, kind of a trifecta of things that, that make us unique. Mike, we really appreciate you sharing um, your, your perspective, insight, and experience with us today. Um, it's it's really eye-opening in an industry that, you know, a lot of people kind of take for granted because it's not something that individuals need on a, uh, a daily basis. And something, too, that I know comes into the equation, and, um, and I know you have to have the right franchisees for this, and we see these pictures all the time, whether it be after, a, you know, fires have destroyed homes or floods have destroyed homes, 
and it's right. the people standing there, and it's their and it's their memories, and that's really something that um, I know needs the right people to deal with. And whether you're dealing with them directly or indirectly, you're there. They're looking at their hope uh, through the work that that you guys are doing. So um, that I know has to play into, you know, the choosing of franchisees. Absolutely. You know, we have a one of our taglines and one of our training sections is, is uh, termed, you have to heal the customer before you heal the loss. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're people helping people out. And, uh, and, and those are the types of people that are going to be most successful. And to realize that this is a once in a lifetime event for whoever's on the other end of that phone calling in. Uh, and we need to remember that on all calls. So yeah, that's, that's a, that's a very good point. The, the human element on this is, uh, is key. You, you've got to be the type of person that wants to help, you know, your, your fellow human being out. You know, I had a little personal experience to it because I had done seven years worth of consulting for a commercial um, cleaning and, and restoration company that had a, a small division that did damage restoration. And when it really hit me, and the reason why I asked that question or posed that point, was I remember them working on a home, and, you know, you, you can't make this up. This is like a commercial. You know, here comes a, a soppy black smoked and uh, a child sitting there just in tears and I remember the gentleman telling her you know we're going to take care of this and seeing what it looked like when it was returned Mm -hmm. I I had a hard time believing that it wasn't a replacement I I really did but it wasn't and um, I think that just speaks, speaks volumes again Mike I really appreciate you being with us today I'm sure our audience will find this extremely interesting and uh, all our best to continue uh, best of luck and success, uh, especially uh, within the merger. Uh, As one of the press releases said, only 6% of franchises make it over 500 locations. I'm sure uh, along with HRI's uh, assistance and guidance, Delta Disaster Services will be there soon enough. Absolutely. No, I, I appreciate the time, uh, Paul and Stan, to share what our passion is and to be able to share that with more people. So uh, thank you for the opportunity. Pleasure was all ours. Thank you. Right. Thanks so much for joining. All right. Take care. Thank you, guys. Stan, that's, uh, you know, it was very, very interesting um, listening to some of that because, like I just said, you know, so many people aren't aware of what goes on until you're you're in that type of catastrophe. And, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, fire and smoke is bad enough, but that usually results in uh, in, in extensive water damage after just to uh, to put out the fire. And then, of course, uh, you know, we didn't even touch on, you know, the whole mold remediation factor, which I know is right. is part of their uh, repertoire of services. It's, there's a lot, lot to think about. And uh, with all these disasters, you know, occurring, obviously, it puts it on the, on the center stage. But as you said, you know, there, there are homes flooding all the time from a burst water pipe. I mean, frozen pipes are going to be coming into, you know, winter months, and some areas are going to be are, are susceptible to that, to, you know, water heaters, you know, bursting. I mean, God, look what happened up in, you know, Massachusetts a few weeks ago where the gas company had some issue with gas lines and houses were partially exploding. Uh, there's, there's a lot of disaster that people don't think about 
until they're forced to think about it because they're right in the middle of it. He set my thinking straight on something I had completely upside down in my own paradigm when we talked about storms aren't really helpful. They're disruptive. I would have thought in this business you'd want to put a franchise in places where storms are things you can count on. And to the point he made, you know, that takes you off your charted course with your already pre-planned book of business serving the people that you serve on a regular basis in a, in a market that isn't driven by hurricanes or tornadoes, but by other events that occur that uh, need servicing and need scheduling. And all of a sudden you're pulling people off jobs to get them to disaster areas after a storm is something that's not a good thing for the business. I would have thought completely differently about that before today. Absolutely. And uh, it reminded me, you know, having the the logistical nightmare, so to speak, of getting to a place, John Rochi's story Mm -hmm. back in the the day in his early stage of going down to Katrina. And boy, that's uh, just one hell of a story and one we have to uh, revisit as we are running out of time, Stan, until next week. My name is Paul Segreto, wishing you the best, the very best in this great, great thing called franchising, and Franchise Today is out. (laughs) Franchise pros, stand the man, Paul Segretto. Time to show you the way of franchising today. Hey, do you possess the spirit of an entrepreneur? Want to lay your business plan down like a rug or a floor? Or maybe you have a dream of opening a chain of delis? Or whatever passion likes that pilot life under your belly? Or do you want to start a business, fam, using the proven trademark from another brand? Huh. And grow together and expand like a rage of fire from a single to a multi-unit empire. Well, pay attention to this podcast that you hear streaming in HD fine-tuned above your ears, and standing Paul lays down the law. Whether you want to be a franchisee or a franchisor, it's all about sustainable growth, the sensible franchising, proving concepts to start enterprising. So use your left and right side of your brain and absorb this knowledge here of franchising today. Huh, Badlands, baby. Huh. Franchising today, sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchise today. Sustainable growth. The sensible franchise. Franchise today. Franchise today. Franchise today. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.